Engage quantum drive. Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob. I'm Katie. And our ongoing mission is to discuss every episode of the Orville. Today, we'll be doing a wrap-up of Season 3, answering listener questions, and going over some of our favorite moments. Before we do all that, though, we do have a new review. Yay! This one comes in from Brandon's a Drummer, who Mm -hmm. says, Thank you for such an amazing podcast. I work at a school, and I found you guys over the summer. I've been going back and listening to past episodes while getting ready for students to return. I love the show so much and wanted to find people who felt the same way. I could not have asked for better. The two of you have something very special. I hope the show and this podcast will continue on. That's so cool. I'm glad we've been able to keep you company while you set up for the upcoming school year. Yeah, I always do wonder what people do while they're listening to the show, which is super cool. I'm the same way like with podcasts. I never like sit on a chair and just listen to a podcast. I'm always doing something. Exactly. Are there people out there that sit and just listen to a podcast? Some people have told us that they do do that with this show. That is true. Like get like a cup of tea and just settle in for... It reminds me of like the 1920s when radio was like, (laughs) gotta turn on my radio and uh, we didn't have TV yet, but... That's really cool. And I hope that this school year goes well for you. Yeah. If you too would like to leave a review, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star written review there. We have no emails during this part of the show, but that's because we're going to be answering a lot of emails as we get into the episode itself. But if you'd like to send an email to us, you can do so by sending one to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. You can follow us on Twitter at quantumdrivepod. You can join the Discord at thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord. And if you'd like access to Mark's alternate one-sentence reviews and bonus podcasts, you can support the show on Patreon at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Okay. Okay. So instead of getting into a regular episode because we are at the end of season three, yep, we have a lot of responses that we got via Twitter, via email, and... We're going to go through all these and give our best possible answers to some of these listener questions and comments. Some people just wanted to write in and tell us stuff. So there's that, too. I'm like really excited for this part of the episode today. Because you haven't seen these. Yeah, Rob (laughs) compiled all of it. And I saw a couple that I put in Discord. But for the most part, Rob has been the person putting this together. So it's all new to me. Yeah, so surprises are coming. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Our first comment comes from Piano Badger. I know that name. We know that name for (laughs) sure. Who says, The Orville has an incredible variety of original alien species. Putting plot aside, what are your favorites from a design or conceptual perspective? Ooh, like aesthetic. Yeah, either aesthetic or like what their species is like, I guess, would be the concept of them. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily their design, but like what they are, what they represent. Ooh, that's really hard. There's a lot. We've seen a whole bunch. Do you have some in mind since you've had like a little time to think about it? I do. (laughs) I do. And I don't know what the name of the race is because Mm -hmm. I don't believe they've said it. And we've only seen one of them so far. Okay. And that is whatever species that President Alcuzan is. Oh, 
You know what's interesting about the president is his hair, the way that his hair grows into yeah. his scalp. <laughs> Very yeah. noticeable to me. And I'm curious if that's just a thing with their species or if that's something with him. And like maybe others have more haphazard hair going on and they're not as slick and smooth as he is because he's mm -hmm. a politician. He's got to keep it all tight, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm really curious to see what more of them would look like. But I do like the design of him as well. Yeah. I was only thinking about the Orville and now I'm thinking about the whole universe since you brought up the president. Mm -hmm. One of, I cannot remember the name of the species, the liaison that John had. The liaison. Oh, the Dekili. Yeah, I really love the concept of that special effects makeup. Albino porcupine look. Yeah, but also like her <laughs> philosophy was really interesting oh, yeah, to hear. Yeah. So I really enjoyed her specifically and I would love to learn more about them. Good choice. Yeah. Okay. Our next one comes from Fatal the Baptist who says, what do we want to see in season four? Already starting with a big question here. Mm -hmm. Do we want Ed to find his daughter, get back together with his ex? Do we want Bordis and Commander Kelly to get together? There's a whole bunch of questions in there. Ooh. So I guess we should start with the first. What do we want to see? Well, I guess the first question includes all the others, right? They're all potentials for season four. Is there something, though, overarching that you would want to see in season four? First of all, I just want to see a season That's four. That's what I was going to say, yeah, too. That's yeah. the biggest thing. At this point, I trust the writers to take me to places that I'm not yet aware that I want to go because I feel like there was a lot of that this season. I think what I would want from season four, if it were to come, I mean, honestly, I was not to get ahead of myself, but very happy with the season overall. So I just want more of that. Mm -hmm. This season, please give me more. I'd like to see more of the Krill and Mocklin alliance. Oh, yeah. Just because now I'm like, oh, the Kaylon are buddy-buddy with the Planetary Union. Let me see more about this krill Mocklin drama. But I also feel like I'd love to see more from John and like Gordon and more from the rest of the crew that maybe didn't get as highlighted this season with overarching things. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see more storylines with that, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. The biggest storyline that I want to see continued, which feels like the biggest loose end to me from this season is Anaya and what's going to happen with her and what Ed's going to do about that whole situation with her and Talia. Yeah, that was the second question, right? Like, if we wanted to see more about Anaya. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I want to know. I'm so curious because at the end of this season, they were talking about, Ed was saying to Talia that like, hey, let Anaya come stay with me. Mm -hmm. And I'd be very curious to see Ed with a kid on the Orville. That whole, it reminds me of like Dr. Crusher and Will Wheaton or AKA Wesley. I just like seeing a kid on the ship. We do have that with Marcus and Ty though, but seeing Ed as a father would be really interesting. That's going to change his dynamic a lot, especially mm -hmm. as the captain. That's going to influence his decisions in maybe the same way that Kelly was like, well, we can't be together because we're both commanders and that's going to influence our decisions. So what happens there now? There's a lot that could happen there. Yeah. So that would be very interesting to dive into in season four. Yeah, I definitely want to see more of that. Mm -hmm. There was also if we want Ed to get back with his ex. I mean, I'm assuming Kelly. I'm assuming that means Kelly. Yeah. I kind of like where they are. They're in that like floating middle ground of will they, won't they? And I think I kind of love the will they, won't they? But I also feel like they'd be really great together now. 
I am interested in continuing their relationship evolution. I'm not sure it's time for them to necessarily get back together mm-hmm. completely, but I like to see the way that they're both growing, where that becomes a possibility down the road. I really do feel like we've seen growth from both of them this season three. Absolutely. Personal growth. And I feel like they're getting to a place where their relationship would succeed. Yeah. Because I started watching, they put all of season one, two, and three on Disney Plus. So Mm -hmm. I've just been putting it on. And I'm like, whoa, it's so weird to just jump back and start with season one and to where we got this season. It really is. Yeah. It's just such a great show from start to finish. And you see such a huge difference in Ed and Kelly to now. Their personal growth, the maturity level of how they handle relationships, all of that. And I feel like they're on the path to potentially having a happy ending. I don't, yeah, like you said, I don't know that it's time. Yeah, and I kind of like the gray area too, a little bit. Yeah. I think it's more interesting story-wise. It's created a lot of a dynamic this season that has worked well between the mm-hmm. two of them. It's building tension, and I kind of like that. Same. The last one was, do we want to see Bordas and Commander Kelly get together? And uh, no, I do not. Obviously, Rob doesn't. <laughs> I will say, after Future Unknown... And how supportive Clyden was in the hooray for you. I'm 100% 100 on the Bordis Clyden train again. It was interesting for an episode. I feel like they could play with that in the future. But I really like seeing Bordis and Clyden have this growth themselves in their relationship. Because again, you start at season one, episode one, and you build all the way through to today. Like it's kind of rewarding to see Clyden and Bordis have that almost healthy relationship. Yeah, they're getting to it for sure. Yeah, They're just way too entertaining together. I can't see them apart. It's one of the best parts of the show is their relationship when it's working. Yeah, they just create a very interesting dynamic to watch. And they do. how can you not want Bordas and Clyden to win when he's so supportive <laughs> of his Elvis performances in Las Vegas? I mean, you just can't it was so not good. be supportive of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, our next question comes from a familiar name. Mark can do it. I don't, Wait, I don't know I if that know sounds familiar. This. Yeah, that's a, that's a name I you might know recognize. I don't know. That name seems kind of <laughs> too familiar. <laughs> you might like this question too, I think. Okay. If there was a great Orville baking show. Oh, <laughs> yes. Who do you think would win? Stipulation, no synthesizers allowed. Isaac, hands down. I had the same answer. I'm going to think of like, but okay, let's take Isaac off the table. Because Why? What I mean is like, we know Isaac would win. Who would get second place? Well, okay, but we have to say why Isaac would win. Oh, Isaac would win because (laughs) he's a robot and he can learn any recipe he ever wanted. And he's got meticulous movements that he can just finesse things and make the perfect cake. Honestly, I don't I don't know how he would have a competition. But he can't taste. That is true. But I feel like if you follow most baking recipes, if it's from a reputable source, it's going to be fine. That was pretty much my answer of like, Baking is science and Isaac mm-hmm. is, when it comes to science, he's the best on the ship. And yeah, when it comes to baking, it's just following a recipe. There are subtle nuances, yeah. but if you follow a baking recipe and you're just good at the techniques required for doing so, mm-hmm. you're going to come out with something pretty impressive. I agree. And I think if I were to pick somebody who wasn't a robot, <laughs> I feel like it's tied between Claire and Kelly for me. Hmm, interesting. Why? Kelly is very focused. Mm-hmm. And I think if she put her mind to something, she would create a beautiful cake or something by the end of it. And because Claire is, I don't know why I'm like, 
Claire's a doctor, so she can obviously make good food, but she has to pay attention to detail and has True. to really be on top of things and making sure things are right. So I feel like Claire would be, might be top three is Isaac, Claire, and Kelly for me. I'm going to pull one that probably didn't come right to mind because they're not the main cast. You're reaching in areas that I'm I not. What, okay, what, what is it? But it's somebody who's already shown their baking prowess. Dan? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is not Dan. <laughs> it's Lieutenant Turco. She makes okay. a mean cupcake, at least. Mm-hmm. So we know that about her. That, yep, I could say I'd get behind that. I like Lieutenant Turco. I think she'd have a, a solid chance. Yeah. I've not seen anyone else bake, so I don't know. <laughs> Everything else is theoretical. And she actually baked it, right? As far as I know. I mean, either that or she was taking credit for synthesized cupcakes. I mean, wouldn't you in the future? It's possible. Could you put into the synthesizer like, hey, slightly make the frosting look a little less perfect so you could be like, I made these. (laughs) You probably could. (laughs) And you wouldn't be the first one to pull a trick like that of people Mm -hmm. going to the supermarket and being like, oh, yeah, I totally made these. I mean, if we do it now, we definitely are doing it. Exactly. Someone's doing it. Yeah. All right. Good answers. I love questions like that. Those are I know. <laughs> some theoretical outside the box questions. The next one comes from Michael Wilkinson, who asks, do you think the union would still want the Genesee to join them after what happened with the Mocklins? Ooh, you know what? I think so, because listen, the Planetary Union is open. It's not fair to put the Mocklins bad behavior on the Genesee, even though they have a similar philosophy and their ruling gender. So I don't know. My thought is I could see it maybe giving them a little bit more like let's tread lightly, but I don't think that it, they would not want them as part of the union. Yeah, I'm on the same page, basically. For one, I think the union does try to see the best in others. And like you said, is not going to put the Genesee into the same box as the Mocklins just because they have some similar views. Mm-hmm. The Genesee, though, have already proven themselves to be more flexible than we expected them to be. Yeah. The union needs all the allies they can get right now. So I don't know how judgy they can be. The Mocklins really crossed a line. Otherwise, they would be still tolerating a lot of their stuff. And the Genesee still accepts males in a way that the Mocklins don't accept females. It's just one is higher up than the other one in society. And the Mocklins are like, females can't exist. Like they're, <laughs> they have a very different attitude. And the Genesee, though, they're a little problematic. In, they are. I will take this one. That's pretty bad. Yeah, but at least they let them live and remain males. So that's already progress compared to the Mocklins. But I feel like this would apply to any new alien species coming in, putting on maybe the glasses a little more analytical mm-hmm. to be like, OK, let's really get the philosophies down. But like, could you have thought the Mocklins would go as far as they have? No, I did So not. I think it's that you never expect the worst Right out the gate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think they'd give him a a solid chance. Yeah, same. Our next question comes from Jim Henry, who says, what ramifications of the actions of Admiral Perry and his associates will be felt within the Union fleet and command structure? Might there still be an unforgiving anti-Kalon element that rises up? And while we're thinking of an answer, he also added, thanks for your reviews and trivia all season long. Yay, thanks for listening. Okay, so is that a two-parter, kind of? A little bit. I think the basic part of the question, uh, the overarching question, is we know that Admiral Perry was very against the Kalon joining the Union, and there was definitely a bunch of officers who shared a sentiment, or at least were just very loyal to Perry, one of the two. 
with him being gone, does that group of officers disperse or is Admiral Perry their martyr? And now there's this rising dissension within the union of this rogue group that is anti Kalon. This hits a little too close to home, I feel like, as you're explaining this. <laughs> I know, right? I feel like the a good way to describe it is kind of like Republicans, Democrats in the United States having a little bit more of a separation maybe forming in the union. Mm-hmm. Like the people who are pro and against Kalon and Perry did a pretty big thing and it's going to spread pretty quickly Yeah, what he did. I'm sure there's going to be radicalists on both sides. I don't see how that wouldn't stir up some things within the union structure mm-hmm. and probably cause a lot of distrust amongst the admiralty, I would assume. And there's got to be other people out there like Charlie that just hate the Kalon as a result of the people they lost. I think what it will probably end up doing is stirring that up more than people who are just kind of keeping it at bay. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, okay, yeah, I don't know. I won't, I'll just talk about it. But like now it might stir up that anger or stoke the flame a little bit to make them more actionable than they would have been prior. Mm-hmm. So that could be something interesting in season four that they could uh, explore is that separation that might have occurred because of what Admiral Perry did. Yeah. I think the ramifications from what Perry did have been felt already. Yeah. But there's enough of a seed there to where if they wanted to build a story around that, they certainly could. Yeah. And I'd understand them doing so. Next one comes from Angie. And now we're getting into some of the emails. So these are a little bit longer and some have combinations of comments and questions. Angie says, I just want to let you both know that I'm so glad I found your show. I don't really have anyone IRL to geek out with on a regular basis, and Quantum Drive helps fill that void. I have a few comments on recent episodes. First, regarding Bordas and Kelly. I saw it coming from the first scene of the episode. I'm actually okay if they don't do anything more with it, because life is like that sometimes. Human and apparently Mocklin emotions are not always neat and tidy. Two Mm -hmm. people can acknowledge a mutual attraction and decide not to do anything about it, partly because one of them is in a committed relationship that they want to maintain. I like that. I feel like it is true. Like life is messy. And considering everything Bordis had just gone through and then Mm -hmm. Kelly as well, it makes sense that maybe there was just a moment and it doesn't have to mean anything. So I like that thought process to go through of why that happened. Mm -hmm. I have to say calling it in the first part of the episode is pretty impressive because I was just skipping through the episode oblivious (laughs) to it until that moment. I was like, wait a second. But yeah, I kind of like that explanation of it. I, uh, okay, so. Uh Oh. (laughs) No, I, I certainly agree with the point that life isn't always like that. Totally understand that. Mm -hmm. But I would counter and say that storytelling is more intentional than life. So it's rare that you do stuff in stories without intention. And that intention is rarely, well, life is just like that sometimes. Yeah. Like that's not story structure. I have felt like a humanity to this season, though. But I feel like they've all had that. Where like life isn't perfect. And I've always felt the show dealt with things in a way where it's like, see, not everything's wrapped up in a pretty bow at the end. Mm -hmm. So maybe it was intentional to be a messy moment. Maybe. I think it's a seed planted that they can decide whether or not they want to do something with it later. Yeah, because the thing about it is there's so much to be interpreted from that scene that they could very much just leave it and never talk about it again, or it could grow into something. Yeah, but I know, as I've said before, it's a story I'm not interested in seeing pursued, so (laughs) I'd rather they just didn't do it. Well, it's out there. 
Yeah, it's done. We have to reconcile that, Rob. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Angie goes on to say, I also wanted to thank you guys for going through the screen grab of Gordon's obit in Twice in a Lifetime. I am blind and I watched the Orville with audio description available as an alternate track in Hulu. The AD for this show is especially good, but it's not possible to go into the level of detail that my geeky heart desires. I always learn something from your discussions of the visual aspects of the show. Thanks again for all you do. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. I really love getting to look into the Easter eggs and everything. And I think it makes the shows more rich because you see things or you hear things or you see stuff that you're like, if I wasn't looking at this in the way that we do when we watch the show, we would miss. And I feel like I was just thinking about like, wow, you and I know a lot about this show. Mm -hmm. The questions that come up and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this. And just I can pull from so much. It's just nice knowing this much about the world because I feel like I can enjoy the show in a different way. Yeah. And if I just like popped it on, I'm like looking at my phone and not watching it in the intentional way that I do. So I'm just glad that other people can get that from the podcast, too. For sure. And this also made me think, so we've already said before, I don't know if we've said it on the pod, but we've responded to people on Twitter and stuff that we will be doing a discussion of the novel Sympathy for the Devil. Mm -hmm. And both of us have either listened or read that already. Mm -hmm. Angie, if you listen to Sympathy for the Devil or read the novel, I would be very interested to hear your take on it. Yes. As it's much more descriptive than a regular episode would be. So if you do check that out, please email again and let us know what you think about it because I'm very curious. I want to talk about the book and I'm trying so hard <laughs> to not talk about the book. But I will say it was very interesting listening to that because you do get a different perspective mm -hmm. than just watching. There's a lot of detail. Yeah. And I kind of loved it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, yeah, stay tuned for that. We'll be doing that in the future. Mm -hmm. Our next one comes in from another familiar name, Driving Me Spare. Ooh. They say, I've just finished listening to the podcast of the last episode for Series 3, Future Unknown, which is as entertaining and thought-provoking as ever. With regards to your whole series of podcasts and YouTube discussion videos, as well as the interviews of the cast and crew of this amazing sci-fi series and your Orville comic discussions, I love them all. I love the fun facts, deep dives, and takeaways for each and every episode. Your podcasts and videos have genuinely enhanced the show for me and the many others who also listen and watch you discuss the many aspects of the Orville. I believe it's shows like Quantum Drive that will help to renew the Orville for Series 4. Super proud of you both. Keep up the good work. And here's to Series 4 of the Orville. Heck yes. Thank you, Spare, for being so supportive of us for so long and listening for as long as you have. So, like, we did some cool interviews this season. Yeah, and there's more coming still. Yeah, so it's been a record season for us, too, because it's been stuff I never thought we'd ever get a chance to do. And I... It's sad that season three is over and I'm just every day I'm like season four. Come on, just tell me season four is here. So I'm I'm anxiously awaiting news as well. And yeah, it's just nice to know that people have been enjoying going along this journey with us. Yeah. And if there is a season four, I just want to say I am not taking any credit whatsoever. For getting a it was season because four. of us, Rob. Yeah. No, the, the Orville community is yeah. so amazing and interacting with them on a daily basis through social media and everything is so delightful. So it is the community. I love this fandom. It's Man, the best. It's really impressive. Yeah. Super passionate. Virtually no trolls whatsoever. It's yes. unbelievably kind. And like, 
people are pretty respectful about spoilers. Like, mm-hmm. just in general, I will say it's probably the best fandom I've ever been a part of. It's certainly one of the top ones, for sure. Yeah. It's also probably the one I've been most ingrained in because I've never been a part of a fandom as much like we are making content alongside this fandom. And that's something I've never gotten as much into as I have with this. But I'm so glad that this is the podcast that we do. And this is the group of people that comes with it because it's just been pleasant and fun. And it's so neat because it's like, I know people like on Twitter. I'm like, hey, it's Tony and like just stuff like that. It's just kind of like and a Johnny the Krill. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a little family. And I really, really love it. There's so many people we could say and other mm-hmm. people would just know who we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's Todd and there's Lieutenant Pedro. And there, I mean, we could <laughs> I'm go I'm just going to say every name so people can feel like they're getting name checked. But we also <laughs> all know these people. So it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a really cool group of people. So if you're not on Twitter, just look the hashtag the Orville up and you will find lovely people. Oh, yeah. And just say that you love the Orville and mm-hmm. they will come out in droves to welcome you to the fandom for it's real. It's true. It's just a wonderful, wonderful group of people. Yeah. Our next one comes from Allison Lehman, who says, I wanted to give my five-star review via email I listen on Spotify and share how much I truly enjoy the podcast. Just before the third season aired on Hulu, I wanted to do a watch-through to be caught up and get back in the zone. Spotify suggested Quantum Drive, and the rest is history. Real conversations, real opinions, and hearing behind-the-scenes tidbits and fun facts, I'm always in. I have a request for future podcast episodes. The music of the Orville is one of my favorite parts of the show. I'm a band kid at heart. I would absolutely love to learn more about and from the show's composers and even from Seth and the producers about why they chose to ensure that the music is of such quality and importance. The most moving piece to me was the orchestral version of You'll Never Walk Alone at the end of A Tale of Two Topas. It brought me to tears and I have goosebumps now just thinking about it. Thank you for your hard work on creating a great podcast. It feels like I have fellow fans and friends sitting around the table or walking beside me as I listen. Here's to more great conversations in In the the future. future. It makes me happy that people who listen to our podcast, it's like hanging out with friends. Mm Because sometimes I listen to podcasts and I feel like I'm just listening to the podcast. And it makes me happy to know that the experience with us is like friends talking about it with you. So that is honestly a huge compliment to me. And I also would be so down to talk to the composers. Like my husband's a musician. He would be over the moon. He always notices the musical stuff in it. Yeah. And he's the first one to recognize a piece or to notice how like, oh, I really like what they did there. So I'd be very curious to also investigate this more. Yeah, I'm curious, too. We might have to enlist Mark for something like that because... (laughs) Mark would be like, so when you wrote this and they just go into music theory and you and I'll just sit there like, what What, what are we talking about? But this is amazing. (laughs) I know for me personally, having a conversation with someone about the show's music would be very difficult. When it comes to like different areas of expertise, I am very musically uneducated. So I know when I like or dislike music and whether Mm -hmm. or not something is working in a given moment. But that's really it. And that's probably why you don't hear me comment on that a lot. I noticed throughout the season, I loved the way they use moments to break and not have any music to make things more punchy. Mm -hmm. And then luckily, we have someone who studied music in great detail at our disposal. But I do feel like it would be interesting to discuss the process with them. Yeah. 
it is a high quality musical experience with this show. Oh, yeah. They go all out. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably in part to Seth MacFarlane because he he does jazz music and he even on Family Guy, the quality of music on Family Guy and everything. It's something that I think is important, but I feel like it makes the overall experience so much better. For sure. Yeah. And like I said, I can't necessarily tell you why it's as good as it is. But those answers are out there somewhere. <laughs> and we might be able to get them. Maybe. Yeah. We have one more email. And this also comes from Allison Lehman, who says, I had absolutely no plans to send a follow-up email, but I just had a revelation. I'm doing a rewatch before watching the season three finale, and the colors of the uniforms jumped out at me. I think the uniform colors were selected with knowledge slash recognition of traditional graduation regalia and hood colors. For instance, blue being command and leadership, which relates to in college philosophy, counseling and guidance, education, social ethics, red relating to communications, green relating to medicine. These are the college ones. Wow. Orange engineering, like red, green and orange are pretty literal interpretation. I feel like you are on to something. And then purple, the admiralty jurisprudence, which I'm not familiar with that word. I've heard it before, but I don't know what it means. <laughs> Law, urban, and regional planning. It's not mm -hmm. a perfect matchup, but I thought this was really interesting and wanted to share. I think that's a really cool observation because I don't think about graduation gowns too frequently. Yeah. But I would believe how detailed this show is that this is a possibility. Yeah. And even if it's not the exact thing that they pulled from, those colors are probably used in similar fashion across a lot of different things. Yeah. I feel like they have those places for those reasons, whether the graduation colors were pulled from something else or the graduation colors inspired something else that they pulled from. Like, I feel like those colors have a through line that this might have been the direct inspiration or inspired something. There's got to be a connection somewhere. If there's anything I've learned about this show is that it seems like nothing's done by accident. Right. So... When they're designing uniforms, which when you think about next generation and stuff like the uniforms are iconic. Mm -hmm. I think they did the same thing for this show. And yeah. I, I feel like there's probably a meeting where they're like, all right, so command is going to be blue because of these reasons. There's probably like a, oh, I'm sure a whiteboard somewhere just filled out with all this information. on it. But that is a really cool observation that I would not have thought of myself. I mean, sometimes it's purely aesthetic. Again, I don't know the exact reason for the choices. We'd have to ask the actual people that made those decisions. Mm -hmm. But I know on something like TNG, up to that point, gold was command and then red became command on TNG. And the only reason that happened is because Patrick Stewart looks better in red than he does in yellow. That's funny. Just because you think about like, we all have colors we look better in. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you know what, Patrick, we feel like a red suits you better. So they let's just, just completely changed it because of that. <laughs> it does seem for this, for the Orville, that they redid the costumes for season three, but mm -hmm. they kept the colors. Yeah. And they're like, these colors are honestly, I feel like iconic to the show now, like that orange for engineering. Yep. Like, yeah, I, I kind of like that. There's lore to the coloring of the uniforms. That's a question we're going to put in our back pocket because mm -hmm. hopefully we'll have the opportunity someday to ask the people who made those decisions. And we will definitely it. pull that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, those are our emails. So we have a couple lists that we want to go through now for people who love their top whatever's lists. Mm -hmm. Of course, we had to do some of those. So our first list here is the top three season three props 
that you would want to have. And we're not saying that these are like, we're not classifying here the actual device. We're not going to get a pulser and have that being a working thing. Like I want a gun that I can use to shoot people or I want the simulator because I want to have a simulator. It's more the stuff that we would want to have as collectors. This is the stuff we thought was cool. And this Mm -hmm. is why we'd want to have it. So Katie, yeah. Would you like to share your number three? My number three is one of the expedition helmets worn in Shadow Realms. Ooh. It lit up and it looked really cool, but that yeah. episode specifically was one of my favorites. It's horror themed and I really love the look of their suits. And I was like, I think it's a little greedy for me to be like, I want the whole suit. So I was like, just the helmet. <laughs> then I could wear it and then I could put it on my shelf. It would look really good on a shelf. And then you could light it up sometimes just for fun. <laughs> yeah. And we know you love your colored lights. Uh, I mean, if you've watched any of the YouTube videos, I wonder if like, is she okay? There's so many lights behind her. It would blend her. in really well mm-hmm. on your bookshelf. Yeah. Yeah. I've already got a spot for it on this shelf of <laughs> behind me. So I'm just saying like, that would be a really fun thing to have. That's a good choice. Mm-hmm. What about you? What's your number three? My number three is the Aronov device. Interesting. I think you and I are going to have very different I think things. we are, yeah. So mm-hmm. our friend Tom Costantino had shared a picture of the Aronov device on Twitter before, and I commented on it. And apparently there are two different versions of it. Ooh. The one used in the pilot is like the stunt version because mm-hmm. they had to move it around and stuff, I believe. And then there's another one that Tom was sharing a picture of that actually is the light up one. And it has like a bit of a pole on it so that you can have the wiring through it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I would want the light up one because I do not want the light up one. <laughs> that would be cool because it's part of the history of the show. Yeah, it's something that was a through line through mm-hmm. so many different things, starting from the pilot and then also being a part of like some of my favorite episodes. So, yeah, that would be a fun one. I mean, pilot to now. Yeah, it's got relevancy. So. Even though it went boom, boom, and it's gone now, but who knows? Created if a lot of problems, but you know, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it caused a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, it caused a lot of issues, but that would be a fun collector's item. Yeah. What's your number two? The fork that Isaac gave to Lamar. I did not see that coming. Why the fork? Because it has sentimental value. I mean, yeah. Isaac is one of my favorite characters, mm-hmm. obviously. And when I think of collector's items, I think of the things that like maybe more minimalist of me, but just the things that I really appreciated from a sentimental standpoint mm-hmm. and the fact that John kept it in a world where you didn't need to keep it mm. and kind of what it represents. And uh, it just seems like another thing that would sit well on my bookshelf. And it comes from Isaac and Isaac is just a fantastic character. So I, I like that. I really want to see the scene of you explaining to people no 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 this is a special fork (laughs) this is a special (laughs) fork from a show that i love i got a jar of pickles on my shelf yeah i know So come on so the jar of pickles (laughs) from the show and uh yeah so it's i don't know why i thought of the fork and i was like obviously i would want that okay interesting pick Mm -hmm. what is your number two my number two is lysella's badge I thought about that one, too. Yeah, yeah, specifically the one that she had in the series season season finale. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say the other. How oh, dare you say that? I Take know. it back. <laughs> <laughs> so I've said before that Majority Rule is my favorite episode from season one. Mm-hmm. And this is an updated version. It's a little bit more modern and newer looking than the badges they used in there. And it's also used in the season finale. So that makes this one extra special. And it's Lysella's. And so that's the one I would want. 
I do love that episode. And I thought that I almost put that one on my list, but it didn't. It didn't make the cut. So you can have that one, Rob. Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> That's another one that would look good on a bookshelf in a little stand or something. Yeah. All of this stuff would look good on a bookshelf. Well, I don't think the iron knob device would fit very well. It's, you it's can a make its larger. own bookshelf. And I put it up like a lamp, a standing lamp. Like you have a dining room table with this like yeah. regal furniture and the Aeronauts <laughs> device is hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> exactly. And there's always a plate with one banana below it. Oh, don't. That would be amazing. <laughs> and an egg salad sandwich yeah. just at the... <laughs> uh, okay. What then is the number one prop from season three that you'd want? The Kermit the Frog from Ed's desk. Yeah, I had a feeling that was coming. If you don't know me, I love the Muppets. I grew up with them. They are just special to me. And from the the inception of this show, when I first started watching and I saw that he had Kermit the Frog on his desk and he said that Kermit was a great leader, (laughs) I was like, Ed's my people. We get each other. And I love that those two worlds collide. And it's two worlds I love very much. So I would love to have the Kermit from Ed's desk. And would also look good on a shelf. It would look great on my bookshelf. So, <laughs> Or on the chair behind you. On the chair behind Sitting me. in the chair. I do feel like Kermit would be special, though, and would yeah, probably get a spot I know. next to the pickles. <laughs> <laughs> he can hang out with his arm wrapped around the pickle jar. Around the pickles? I just feel at home. Uh, I, yeah, that's my number one pick. It's also a good choice. What about you? What's your number one? I think I know what it is, but what's your Uh, number one? I've told you off pod before that my top pick would be a comm scanner because Mm -hmm. they always looked cool. But the redesign for season three is above and beyond cool. They look so good. And I think one of the things that's consistent with my list is that they're all immediately identifiable as, oh, that's from the Orville. There's no question. I want someone to see it and know that that is a thing from a show. And I'm out here like the fork and the (laughs) The Kermit (laughs) and the expedition helmet. But yeah, your stuff would be very like, hey, that comes from the universe of the Orville. Yeah. I just like the sentimental stuff. Yeah. (laughs) I do hope that eventually they make a replica of the comm scanners because mm. I, mm-hmm. I know they made the the pulsers and everything. So I would love to see a comm scanner because, man, I would throw my money at that so fast. Yeah, I mean, I have that little baby Orville. Yeah. It brings me so much joy just to see it behind me. Like, yeah. I have an Orville shelf. There needs to be more things on it. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. I guess really quick, can I do a bonus? Sure, absolutely. Round of just future tech I want. Oh, you want future tech you want. Okay, so not props. This is future tech you want. And there's two things. And it's probably like, I mean, it's... One simulator, two synthesizer. Damn it. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) I just wanted to point out that I want both of those really badly. (laughs) Yeah, same. I just think about going up at like 7 p.m. and you're like, I haven't had dinner yet. And you could have whatever you want. You want to know why we want those things, Katie? Because we're busy. That and we're both Lysella. That's why we just want to go on the Orville. And like the the eSIM would be just phenomenal. You could go do anything, literally do anything, go anywhere. And it wouldn't be like, yes, the real thing, but it would be a good supplement for those times you need a break from real life. And you'd have to somehow pull yourself away from it every now and then to experience real life and be like, real life's not as fun. No, I kind of <laughs> want there to be an episode of the Orville where they, I guess the Bordis episode was, was a little say, bit. There's a little bit of that. Yeah, it's because it's like it could be addictive, just like our technology is. Mm-hmm. And it was for Bordis in a very, in a, in a different way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely 
feel like those two things would be fantastic. If they yeah. happen in my lifetime, I will be very excited. I'd also like to throw a pterodon into that situation. I was surprised you didn't say a pterodon, but I'm like, where would he fit that? It's a little big. <laughs> you could buy a garage to just store your pterodon. <laughs> I'd have to spend more money on where I store my pterodon mm -hmm. than where I live, probably. <laughs> Maybe they'll do like little models of the pterodon at some point. Oh, I hope so. I would yeah. totally get that. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. As a good looking ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. Those are my top three, though. Okay. Well, we have one more list to go through, though. That's and true. this one is our top five moments from season three. There were a lot of fantastic moments, and we couldn't stop talking about them as we discussed the season. But only five could make our lists. This is really hard. I know. So, Katie, what is your number five? All right. My number five is when the arachnid alien and Isaac face off in Shadow Realm. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. I love horror. Not a surprise to anybody. And this moment was so tense. And I felt it was like just so exciting. And I remember watching it and being like, yeah, I loved that whole sequence. And getting to see Isaac's cool, calm demeanor against this aggressive and very scary alien species mm -hmm. was chef's kiss. I'm glad they took a beat for that because it was so worth it. That was the cherry on top of that episode for me. And similarly, like I put these two together. A little bonus moment is when Isaac also took Clyden on in A Tale of Two Topas. Kind of having that, getting to see Isaac just have that stance this season yeah. of protecting and being confident and unfazed in situations that he needs to be. So, yeah. yeah. It's a good choice. My number five is from the episode Midnight Blue. Mm -hmm. If you told me that the mention of a celebrity in season two would result in that person appearing in season three, I'm not sure I would have believed you. Plus, I can't imagine this person's doing a lot of cameos in sci-fi television to begin with. But as soon as Tala said to Havina that there's someone Ed wanted her to meet, I knew it was coming. Even though in my head, as they were walking there, I was like, no way. They didn't. <laughs> They didn't actually get Dolly Parton, did they? They did. Yeah, they did. They got Dolly. Yeah. And then some people might be like, that's that low on your list. But I've got some others that I really, really enjoyed. But that was, how can you not love that moment? It was a pretty epic moment. Like you said, I don't think Dolly's doing a ton of sci-fi cameos. Yeah. It was a really cool thing to come to fruition for Havina. Also, just another argument for why eSims are so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Although you're not going to get a lot of pushback from me on that argument. So. No, I know. <laughs> Super cool. Okay. What's your number four moment? My number four moment is when we're flying into, when we, I like how I preface yeah, like when we are, now, yeah. <laughs> when they're flying into Krill and gently falling rain and they break the clouds and you see the city for the first time. Nice. Because again, if you have not seen my background on YouTube, <laughs> I love lights. And this city is everything I want to visit in a future city. The way that it looks, it's, it's sexy, but it's also just like vibrant and epic. Mm -hmm. When they broke those clouds, there's nothing quite like when you see Krill for the first time. Yeah. Shout out to the SFX crew because you made me want to book a flight there immediately. And also we get to see Krill for the first time. Like, yeah. That was a really epic moment. But it satisfied everything within me about future city technology 
and also the lighting they did on their faces and they just everything was shot so well for that. And I very much enjoyed seeing them see Krill for the first time, too. <laughs> I enjoyed seeing Krill for the first time. Mm-hmm. What is your number four moment, Rob? So I've said many times that my favorite episode of the series as a whole is Lasting Impressions. Mm-hmm. So when Twice in a Lifetime started and I heard the familiar notes of Gordon singing, that's all I've got to say, I was both stunned and overjoyed because I thought that story was over and done with. The continuation of that story was very unexpected, but so very welcome and wonderfully handled. So just hearing that song and the emotional reaction that I immediately had to it Mm -hmm. is my number four. Yeah, I could see that. As soon as that episode started, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, Rob's going to be jazzed (laughs) about this one. (laughs) So yeah, I didn't think that story was going to continue either. So it was neat to see Gordon time travel and start a life. But that was a very interesting episode. I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. What is your number three? My number three moment is Isaac and Charlie's adventures in Twice in a Lifetime, specifically the bar scene. Yeah, I knew that'd be on there somewhere, just in nowhere. (laughs) So there's so many moments this whole season with Charlie and Isaac that Mm -hmm. I just loved. Watching them together was so good. And seeing Charlie slowly accept Isaac was one of my favorite through lines throughout this season. But I really enjoyed them spending time in this bar trying to connive a little bit and work together. And I enjoyed seeing the comedy that was built in and their dynamic blossom and also seeing Charlie open up in this episode. Mm. But that bar scene specifically, it was perfect in so many ways. Yeah. What is your third favorite moment from this season? It's interesting that yours leaned a little comedic because so does mine. Ooh. So I don't know if it was a result of there being less humor or just more successful humor, but I found myself laughing out loud at some of the bits this season even more than in previous ones. Like I always found them funny, but I Mm -hmm. got more like out loud, uncontrollable laughs in this season. Yeah. There is, however, no moment that I laughed harder at than the massage scene with Tala and John. John's reactions paired with that cutaway to the rest of the engineering crew was Mm -hmm. comedy gold and the funniest moment of the entire season for me. I didn't expect that to be a top moment for you, but yeah, that was a pretty epic moment overall. (laughs) Absolutely slayed me. It was Mm -hmm. so good. What is your number two? My number two moment from this season is when Topa is talking to Kelly in front of the Quantum Drive in A Tale of Two Topas. Wow. I am shocked to see it at two. At two? Because I remember when we talked about it, how at the time Mm -hmm. it was your favorite moment of the entire show. So I can't wait to see what's at number one then. But please tell me more about why it's here. So it's here because I rewatched the scene, obviously, preparing for this episode. And it was shorter than I remember the scene being, but I Mm. remember it being so impactful for me. When Topa expresses that he felt like something wasn't right with him, speaking in past gender terms before Topa transitioned, the writing in that scene was incredible. And the discussion about feeling incomplete, and while everyone might have a different reason for feeling that incompleteness, it's a feeling a lot of us can relate to maybe occasionally, Mm -hmm. which you know, is sad to maybe admit or say, but I think that there was just a universal truth to that whole discussion that Mm. really pinged me. And 
It was such a poignant scene and it immediately became one of my my favorite moments. And it makes you root for Topa right then and there because Topa says, I'm not happy. Yeah. And so that feeling that it stirred up in me just stuck with me. And that's why it's one of my favorite moments from the season. And I know we talked about it during the episode too of how visually stunning that scene yes. is with the way they're placed in front of the quantum core and everything. And it's a beautiful looking scene and a wonderful conversation. Yeah. So that's my number two spot. What's in your number two spot? This season had so many emotional moments and I definitely teared up more than once. Mm -hmm. There was one moment in particular that hit me harder than I expected. And perhaps it was because they weren't sad tears, but happy ones. When the door of the simulator opens and Claire steps through to see Isaac there waiting for her mm -hmm. and he smiles. Let's just say Isaac wasn't the only one getting hit with an emotional awakening. <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing scene. I will say for this list, it was very hard to pick just five. Yes. That was what I will say in my list of making the list, but mm -hmm. it didn't quite make the list, which is shocking because that is one of my favorite scenes as well. Yeah. I was actually suspecting that it might end up being your number one, but... <laughs> it's not. Which wow. is like, but that's the thing though, that whole sequence though, that was battling this top spot for me. Mm. Yeah, that scene, obviously we had an amazing sequence of stuff after it, mm -hmm. but just when he first smiles, I was like, oh my God, it's real. It happened. And it was, oh, it just got me shivers. Yeah. It's devastating when he lost that emotion too. It was, It confirmed yeah. that like, oh, he does love her. So that it was satisfying. Totally. All right, then this is the big one. What is your favorite moment from season three? My favorite moment is kind of a overarching thing from a specific episode, but it can be pinpointed to like specific scenes. Sure. Bordis standing up for Topa in A Tale of Two Topas. Mm. Getting to see Bordis go to bat for Topa and accept her for who she truly is was so touching to me. That unconditional love was, I don't know how to explain it, but for me, it just, it affected me more than I think other things this season. Just seeing someone go, no, this is the right thing for my kid. I'm going to mm. do that for them. And getting to watch him stand up to Clyden in that situation too, which would be so difficult. So I feel like Bordis standing his ground and doing the right thing for Topa was probably my favorite moment from the season. And it meant a lot to me. But then I also know later on, we also got to see Clyden do it too. Yeah. So in a way, maybe my favorite moment is just Topa having the ability to be herself. But yeah, seeing Papa Bordis several times this season in Midnight Blue as well. Oh, when yeah. he That was one of my favorite moments too, was the aggressive scene where he punches out very aggressively the torturer. Papa Bordis this season was great. Oh, I love Papa Bordis mode. I need more of it. It's yeah, so good. Yeah, Papa Bordis. <laughs> <laughs> That's my number one this season. What was your number one moment? Well, I am shocked we got through both of these lists without any carryover. No, no duplications. Overlap. And that continues through here. Mm -hmm. I am not even sure where to start with this one. Uh, <laughs> unlike my other tearful moment, this one wasn't happy at all. When a new character is introduced as a series regular, you expect that that person's going to be around for a while. That was not the fate of Charlie Burke. Her arc was handled so well, and the moment of her sacrifice was incredibly powerful. And that image of her eyes as she looks up right before the explosion is just seared into my brain. 
And when I think of moments and things that happen in this season, that image comes forefront. So I I could not ignore it. Yeah, that was also and I mean, I had because when we started recording this season, we were like, let's try to come up with top five moments. And it's always easier to write them down when they happen. Yeah. So I had like 12 or 15 to <laughs> yeah. narrow down. And that yeah. was in my list as well. I mean, Charlie had a very satisfying arc mm-hmm. and it was hard when she went. And I mean, it's interesting. We didn't have any overlap, but it's kind of interesting because I feel like we covered a lot of the greatest moments from this season. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, my number one's pretty obvious. I think most people would go, yeah, of course, that's one of the top moments. But I like I like the little ones, too. Like yeah. the seeing Krill and the Isaac standoff and for me, the hearing of the song, because those are things that are meaningful to our interests and the things that we really love about the show. So, yeah, I feel like the Orville has these great big things that you do remember, but it's all the little things, too, that make mm-hmm. the show special. Totally. It was sad to see Charlie go, though. Yeah. I will say I will miss her as a character. Yeah. But she did something epic and I don't think she will ever be forgotten. She is the domino. Okay, we are at that point. What is your takeaway from this entire third season? This is one of the hardest takeaways I've had to write because I had to like stop. (laughs) Yeah. So that I wouldn't just keep going. So got to say it first, like we always do, the visually stunning show that is the Orville. The special effects this season from start to finish It never dipped anywhere. It never got a little shaky anywhere. It looked good the entire season. Mm -hmm. And no episode was better than the other for the special effects. The details, it just, it was a stunning show. And if you love space and space epics, like we watch, this is one of the best, I think, for special effects. We've always had our little nitpicks and critiques here and there about various aspects of the show. And we do it out of love because we love the show. Mm Mm-hmm. We have never been able to punch a hole in the special effects. They're flawless. There were so many scenes this season that were not necessary to the plot, but they Mm -hmm. put it in there anyway just because it looked good. Yes. And I fully respect that. (laughs) Completely same. Right on board with you. I could talk for hours about the special effects. Like I'm already thinking through nebulas and (laughs) asteroid belts and all these things. And yeah, the show looks great. And uh, I, I really appreciated that. Another thing that was a big thing I enjoyed watching this season is Isaac's storyline from Electric Sheep all the way through the end. Getting to watch Claire and Isaac's love story blossom more. The discussions we had specifically about is he becoming more sentient with emotion? I really loved watching that. And also Isaac was so funny this season. I really loved the way that Mark Jackson delivered lines and also made me cry a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Which brings me to everybody's performances this season. Like, oh my God, all of them, every single one of them had moments this season that made me very emotional or happy. And just like the way that this whole crew and this whole cast of people work together to make a show that makes me feel an array of emotions every single time I sit down to watch it leaves me walking away feeling so good and just sometimes utterly devastated. But also it completes me in that sci-fi hole that I have sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I have to shout out every single actor on this show who knocked it out of the park with incredibly emotional performances, playing difficult parts like an antagonistic character or making us laugh 
it was just so good. And I very much want to applaud them for what they do. I also really love the philosophical discussions this season. And they dove deeper this season three versus season one and two. Mm -hmm. And season one and two had some really great discussions as well. This one opened the book a little bit more. And I just really appreciated that from a standpoint of just a human wanting to think more deeply about things. Because it's not just a show where you put your feet up and you eat some popcorn. You can do that. But if you want to explore some of these topics further, I really appreciate the discussions that it opened. Yeah. And it was just a mix of everything, though. There was a lot of good, fun things in this season and a lot of stuff that made you question a lot of things. What I also enjoyed is the dynamic nature of each episode. There's something different. And they really mixed things up. Mm. We had like a horror episode. We had some classic sci-fi. We had mystery. We just had everything. And I feel like the way that they threaded this season through and then at the end, Future Unknown being like a warm hug was really nice. Yeah, it was. They had fan favorites returning like Havina. We got to see Topa's story. There was surprises like Dolly Parton. Like there was just so much that you can talk about from season three specifically. It's just almost hard to put into words. I understand. <laughs> what this show did this season. It's yeah. kind of impressive. It is impressive, but it's also like, how did they do this? Yeah. I think because when we were recording and we were in it, you're week one, week two, week three, like watching, recording and like editing and all that. And now that we've had time to kind of sit with it a little bit more and we haven't had new episodes, which has been really sad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like it's marinated with me a lot. And I've just really appreciated all these things that, I maybe didn't think about right off the bat. And for the show as a whole, what it accomplished this season was incredible. Yeah. Looking back at it in hindsight, it's a whole different animal than when you're in the thick of it. And as a whole, just stunning. It's awe-inspiring, honestly, from just a creation standpoint and from a viewer standpoint. And the fact, I also have to shout out the people behind the scenes who work so hard to make this show what it is. Because they do make the show what it is, mm -hmm. from the editors to special effects to costume design, just everything was impeccably done. And it's hard for me to find flaws with this season, to be quite honest. The only thing I could come up with, and I kind of mentioned it earlier in the episode, is I'd love to have more episodes with features of John or Gordon. And like, we got a lot of certain characters this season. Give me more. Give me a 24 episode season. <laughs> just dive into all these other characters. But even with that, it's such a small thing that I couldn't find a lot of flaws with it. If your complaint is give me more, then My, yeah. my complaint is to give me more Orville. Like, I don't exactly. know. <laughs> Overall, I got my favorite episodes from this season, which is A Tale of Two Topas with a close second of From Unknown Graves. Mm. Used to be like, oh, I love them all like my kids kind of thing. But this season, I had some standouts that started making a list of like my favorite episodes of the show. Yeah. And I walked away feeling satisfied, wanting more and happy that it exists, to be honest, and kind of being in awe of what we were able to do this season with the show, like talking about it and the experiences that you and I have had alongside watching the show that we love. Yeah, at this point, those things are inseparable from our experience with watching it. Like yeah. even going back and watching now, I think about the conversations that we've had with each of those episodes. And like we talked about earlier, is like the universe looking at the fun facts, but then also talking to the people who work on the show. Mm -hmm. It makes this universe more rich and yeah. enjoyable. And so even though we do a lot of this stuff, I, I could see how maybe for some people it could feel like work, but it's easy and fun. And it's been very, like I, I keep saying satisfying. It's the best word to say 
this season of the Orville was just satisfying to me in so many different aspects. And I'm walking away like, man, why is it over? But also excited that it happened. Yeah. That's my very rambly takeaway from season three. (laughs) What is your takeaway from season three, Rob? Well, I'm going to start off with a, to be completely honest, I was a little worried at the start of the season. Really? I was. I loved Electric Sheep. (laughs) (laughs) The first three episodes, it's not because I didn't like them. It's not Mm -hmm. at all for that reason. The first three episodes are either dark or really heavy. Even Shadow Realms? Dark in the sense that it's horror. Like we go from suicide to horror to death. So I'm just like, okay, wow, they're... We got to lighten it up at some point or else it's going to be a lot of just a lot. Yeah. I had a little worry at the beginning in that sense that that tone was going to continue for the entire season. My little philosophical butt over here is just eating it up. (laughs) And again, it's not that they're bad episodes. I enjoyed watching them. It's just that they take a lot out of you. So I was like, oh, this is going to be just a heavy season. And it was, but not in that way that I thought it might be from the beginning. By the time we got to Gently Falling Rain, my doubts had quickly disappeared. And every episode that followed was absolutely amazing. Not only do I think this season has some of the best episodes of the entire series in it, but this is also the strongest season of the Orville so far. I think it's become what it's always wanted to be. It's become what Seth MacFarlane wanted it to be from the beginning. And I am happy that we got to see that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been watching season one a little bit and moving through the seasons. And it is like watching the show grow up. And it's really rewarding. Yeah. There were some fan complaints early on about the lack of humor in this season. Mm -hmm. But anyone who's heard me talk about the show for the entire run knows that I've always wanted them to dial the jokes back a little anyway. For me, season three found the perfect balance. The humor is, I know we've used this word a lot, but the humor is way more organic and it never feels inserted for the sake of it. And as I mentioned in my top five, I think that resulted in the jokes and the humor hitting harder because they felt more earned. It is different than like season one and two, because even watching back, the show has changed. It's hard to not admit that the show has changed, which I think for me took a little getting used to because it was like, well, oh, this is different. But I quickly acclimated and I was like, I still love this. And like you said, the jokes were more organic and they felt purposeful in where they were placed. And they didn't fully ever get rid of it. No. And I I really feel like they did find a good balance. Yeah. Sometimes you got to get used to the new bridge. (laughs) You got to get used to see it took Rob three episodes to get used to the new bridge. So, so, you know, (laughs) (laughs) as we've said so many times, the visual effects this season are easily some of the best that I've ever seen on a TV show. I cannot possibly commend and applaud the effects team more. It feels very redundant to say over and over, but that is just how good they are. Yeah. It's just so impressive. I I can't. (laughs) That's all. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. The writing this season has been so good. I felt that every character was represented well, even if some didn't get the spotlight as much as others. We still saw a lot of growth in a lot of those people. They managed to not only introduce a new character in Charlie Burke, but also gave her a satisfying arc in the span of nine episodes, which when you think about it is crazy. That is not an easy task at all. Mm -mm. Then you look at all the past storylines they were able to revisit this season, and it is so impressive given how many plates they were spinning, what they actually pulled off. It's masterful, honestly. 
It really is. Yeah. The amount of stuff they were able to interweave. And I, I was never expecting, especially again, after like the first three episodes, you get a little bit of a revisit with Denal coming back. But aside from that, there's not a lot of big touches to previous season stuff. But we had direct sequels, it felt like, to some of those storylines in these episodes. And again, not thinking it was something I wanted, but clearly I did because I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I love that. Yeah. And then finally, as a whole, this is not only a fantastic season of the Orville, but it is one of the best seasons of a show that I've ever seen at all. It's also possibly the biggest growth I've ever seen in a show from the first season to the current season. When you look at where it came from and what it's become. So no matter what happens with the show in the future, I am glad that we got to watch it grow into what it has become. It was well worth the wait, too. Absolutely. And what they've accomplished is amazing. I can't even fathom how they pulled this off. It is like one of the best seasons in a television series I've ever seen. It doesn't feel like TV. No, and I think that's what they set out to do. They said they used that a lot. They said they made 10 mini movies and they really did. Yeah. Like, cause you know, like sometimes TV shows pull out all the stops for the pilot and then the wheels kind of fall off. Yeah. Or just for the season finales or. Yeah. And that didn't happen. Like, no. they, through and through, it's just, I think it's a testament to the people who make this show. They care. I know I say that a lot, but I really do feel like they care and they care about what they make so that us as viewers mm-hmm. feel cared about, which I know, I know that might sound kind of silly, but I, I feel like when I watch this show, I feel like they had me in mind when they made it. Mm-hmm. And I can tell a lot of them are also sci-fi fans because they just hit the marks. They really do. Yeah. Well, we've seen some of where these creatives have come from, mm-hmm. from other sci-fi. And we've had the opportunity to talk to some of them that just have a true passion for this genre. And it shines through so much. Yeah. It's just an incredible season through and through. And I'm fingers crossed. Finger, everything's crossed for season four. Fortunately, though, that is not the end for this podcast. It's a, for this episode, but uh, we have <laughs> more things to come. So we just want to make sure that you know that there is more stuff coming. So for one, we have more interviews coming. We'll be doing a discussion of the novel Sympathy for the Devil, which is the novel and audiobook. I highly recommend you pick that up. And we'll be doing a special Meet the Hosts episode in the future. So this is something Katie and I talked about a little bit. We've been doing this show for over three years now, which is crazy to think about. Even Mm -hmm. if there was a bit of a break in there, we've been doing this show for over three years now. (laughs) And you've probably learned a decent amount about us as people through some of the discussions that we've had and stuff. But we're going to give you even more information and share some details about some of the other things that we make. You might even see some of those other things that we make. Hit this podcast feed to clue you in as to other things that we are making. But if you also have any questions that you would like Katie and I to answer about ourselves, just as people send in questions about the Orville season three, and these questions that you can ask here don't have to be Orville related. You can ask us what's your favorite color or what's your favorite animal or any sort of random thing like that. You can email those questions to quantum drive at thegeekgeneration.com and we will get to as many as we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask us questions. Ask us stuff like we would ask 
the cast or the crew or something. Oh, interesting. Ask yeah. us about podcasting. Ask us about other sci-fi. Ask us about, yeah. Ask us who our next, oh, I was going to say who our next generation captain is. Clearly, you all know my <laughs> captain, Picard. <laughs> Never mind. Forget that one. <laughs> But aside from that, we'll be back with new episodes soon, and we will see you then (laughs) in the future. Quantum Drive is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on The Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks... You can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Twitch at Katie Peters Plays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in In the the future. future.